I'm a tool, I'm a vessel that is a key player in a collaboration that helps the entire team. I love those designs that I feel like it's challenging physics and math and at the same time the stories we're telling and I wish there's more of that. Once you're curious enough to what others are doing and learn from them by traveling, I feel like you can learn so much already. Welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast, and hello, we're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Ana Aguilera. On this episode, we are joined by Cha C to chat about lighting design and her experiences living and working in the United States. Feel free to check out our episodes 13, 24, 36, 56, and 57 to catch up with our conversation with Chris Luz, Don Kiang, Mark Brickman, and Corey Paddock, who are lighting designers as well. Cha is a freelance lighting designer for stage and environmental performance from Manila, Philippines. She is based in Brooklyn, New York, where she moved to pursue her MFA in lighting design. She's the first ever Filipino woman to obtain an MFA in lighting design from NYU Tisch School of the Arts. Hello, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to, to, to just talk and have a conversation and learn from each other. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have some diverse voices in the, as someone... <laughs> That can give us a little different insight to what we do. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Let's start with that. First of all, thank you for giving me this opportunity to be here, um, to be part of this this conversation. My name is Cha. My last name is C. My name is Cha C. I'm from Manila, Philippines. Right now, I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. I've been living here from... 2014. So it's about seven years now. Um, I'm an off-Broadway lighting designer. There you go. That's the most, I, I think, I'm, I'm queer. What else is, yeah. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> All right. So let's see. How would you describe lighting design and what is being a lighting designer to you? That's a tough one right away. Lighting design, I think, is telling stories through the medium of light stories in a way that will serve the text the music the vision of the director and what the playwright is trying to say i think lighting design is part of that complexity of the collaboration lighting designer is the one Doing all the jobs. All the jobs. <laughs> all the jobs that... No, for me, lighting designer is the... I'm a tool. I'm a vessel that is a key player in a collaboration that helps the entire team, meaning sound, costumes, scenic, playwright, director, and actors to be able to complete the storytelling, if that makes sense. Sure. 
Do you have any preferred genre of the entertainment that you prefer to work on? I'm really thinking about that question for like the last seven years of my career here. And I feel like the answer to that question is that I'm not choosing it, but I feel like what's landing on my table is always like new works, straight plays, plays that are that are drawn to social activism, plays that are talking about social justice as well, and diversity. And those are the things that I feel like I'm I'm really loving the new place. I'm really loving the you know, with, with new place there's a challenge that it hasn't been tested. So I'm I'm lucky enough to if I see the place that I'm doing, I feel like I'm I'm just so honored and lucky enough to be able to it's like the way I see it, it's like a new dish, you know. You're you're trying some something in the kitchen with your collaborators and just making the best dish. And if it fails, just do it again. And that's how I feel like my genre right now is. At least to me, it makes sense. But it also makes me either kind of ask you another question. Like you say like with new plays, you have this opportunity to try new things and fail and try again. Do you feel that's not the case with established playwrights or plays or opera? The way I see it is like, for instance, with Shakespeare, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm doing uh, Taming of the Shrew right now, or you know what? Let me give you an example of like Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. With Romeo and Juliet, we know that the balcony scene should be a moment, and you know, and and we all know that. But in new play, you're the one who's going to arrive to. A moment wherein you ask yourself, what is the height of of the story here? And I think that's the power of new plays. Like it's you're coming from a blank slate, as opposed to you already know the theme of the play, like the character analysis, you've done it already. But with the new plays, it's like it's just different. You're you're going to dissect everything. It's just so fun, and the challenge is there. It's like trying trying to cook a new dish, but you don't know what are the ingredients, and you're finding those proper ingredients to fit your new dish. And I think that's that's really good for me for my learning. You know, how would you compare that to like you've worked on fashion and? corporate private events as well and stuff like that so how would you describe that kind of work to what you're describing right now yeah so my history when it comes to corporate events concert and fashion I've done that all in the Philippines and so the reason why I stuck with theater was and I have nothing against corporate events you know broadcasting concert and such but I feel like I'm drawn to theater more because in theater there's actually a graph of storytelling in terms of lighting and you know in in concert it's it's the music you know that you're going with 
and the performer. And I feel like in theater, it's not just music and the performer. It's all those other elements in the in the show that you have to... I feel like sometimes I'm a... You know, I feel like we're all literally chefs in the kitchen that I have to be... I, lo- I just love the collaboration. And I don't know if you were a- you're able to get that from concert and from fashion. And with theater, it's like you're dealing with the sound designer, you're dealing with the stage manager, you're dealing with the director. Basically, it's just more stress. That's why I love it. It's just, you know, it's just like, oh my God, I cannot anymore. That's what I love. <laughs> it's like so many people. and And also there's this, Am I overhelping or am I not helping? What does the lighting do? You know, and and I always ask that question because sometimes, metaphorically, sometimes I'm like, did I put so much salt and pepper, or like, did I add so many ingredients and all we needed was salt and pepper? And that's how I see it. It's like we're we're telling a story through this kitchen, and in this kitchen are all my collaborators. We're all equal. Everyone has their voice. If you want to say something, say something. Everyone should stop and listen. And and that's what I love about theater. And that's why I'm choosing it. And I think I'm going to be here for a very long time. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Until you get tired of me. <laughs> so you, you've mentioned bits and pieces of your creative process. Do you want to give us a little insight about more in depth what, what your process looks like or... What do you go through? Every process for me, at least doing a show, is different. Right now, I'm doing a lot of like 1940s research. That period, 1940s to 1970s. There's a lot of things that happen here in America because I'm going to do a show called Change Agent by Craig Lucas in in D.C. in Arena Stage. So whatever I can get my hands on, I try to read it, watch it, or listen to it. It just helps me really understand and relate to a story as if I was in that time period. That's an example of one of my process. But if I'm not doing a show, I just take everything like as if I'm observing light. I, I call it like my daily observations of light. You know, I just I just love doing that when I'm like in my apartment. I'm like, oh, 4 p.m. right now. And then I have this journal, 4 p.m. It's like very warm, you know, and then 6 p.m. And then right now it's crazy here in Michigan, 8.32 p.m. There's still daylight outside and it's crazy. I'm like, the sun, sun down here is 10 p.m. And I'm like, how? Do people do it? Like, and 11 p.m. is my bedtime. And I'm like, I have one hour. <laughs> so, yeah, that's like my, and a lot of reading. Even though it's like trash, I still do it. Just, I still watch it, reality TVs, just because maybe I can connect one story to the other. Like, it's so funny because I'm doing Taming of the Shrew by Shakespeare and then I'm trying to compare it with The Bachelorette 
And I'm like, oh my God, there's such a connect when you put all men in competition for one love and women being objectified, women being the prized possession. And I'm like, oh my God, that's such a story. And then the director that I was talking with, she's like, oh my God, that's brilliant, Cha. I'm like, we're only talking about The Bachelorette. It's not like... (laughs) But yeah, I love doing those things. You seem to be very into the American or New Yorker style of doing theater. How would you compare doing theater or live entertainment here to what it is in the Philippines or in Asia in general, if you have a broader sense? In Asia, I love it because it's more abstract. That's a great question because I've been thinking about that a lot daily. And, you know, I was just having a conversation with my best friend, who's also a lighting designer. And I was like, I miss my hometown because I feel like, generally in Asia, I feel like it's the design are, like, abstracted in a way. Because, don't get me wrong, I'm so happy with where my career is right now. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm really blessed to have such projects but I just miss set designs where I feel like oh my god this is so abstracted you know this is so heightened and so stylized because I feel like in my career and I'm young I've already lit four living rooms in you know it's such Americana it's such American theater where it's like the story tells we're going to be in the living room and then that's what you're going to see on stage. And sometimes I'm like, I wish that there's more than this. You know, when I look on stage and I'm like, how can we abstract things? And that's what I feel like I miss, at least in Asia, you know, at least I, I feel like there are some designers here that I feel like they challenge and they push the boundaries of you know, designing a container like a theater in Asia, I feel like it's more expanded in a way. Like, I'm just tired of living rooms, kitchen, and you know, and couch on set. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you can, can you, can you know exactly what I'm talking about? Yes, you know, I like, I go to like. Even if I'm not the designer, like I'm watching a show and I'm like, oh my God, it's another living room. How many living rooms can be? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, it's a... (laughs) It's interesting that you put it like that because the U.S. having such beautiful landscapes and open spaces, like you'd imagine there's more than the living room, right? I know, right? (laughs) I go here to Michigan and I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. You know, it's just... Everything is like, it looks so manicured, it's so clean, it's so pretty. And then back in Brooklyn, it's just like trash bags after trash bags after trash bags. And then it's like heat wave. So it's like the opposite of Brooklyn. But then I'm learning a lot too. I feel like everything here is just so... So how do you think your your approach to lighting design has changed from when you were in, in the Philippines and then seven years later living in the U.S.? I feel like my goal to be a lighting designer is to really understand every story I'm telling, every play I'm telling. And I've really 
you know, I, I was also lucky enough to be in uh to be training in in NYU. I feel like I was never my goal was not to to have the coolest lighting designs if that makes sense. What I really aimed for was for me to understand what I'm telling through lighting design if that makes sense. I feel like I'm not my goal is not to have a like whoa lighting design. It should be part of the text, it should be part of the story that I'm telling. So that's like I want to be a smart light a smarter lighting designer as I go through my career. And in the Philippines, I feel like the Filipinos deserve more. And most of the time I'm here sitting and I wish I'm like, I wish this type of book is has been published in the Philippines, you know, and we can make a bunch of copies. So the other designers in the Philippines can be able to read this or I don't know maybe there's a school that teaches lighting design or it's the access is just limited and not only it's limited but there's no actual practice you can practice it but most of our place in the Philippines are from America it's from the westerners because for instance, you buy a right to the play or a musical, it's from here. And they're going to put it on stage in the Philippines. Because also of the funding of the government, there's like, you know, I'm talking to some Filipinos and they're like, oh my God, we need more Filipino playwrights. And now we, there's lack of Filipino playwrights because it, it's just so hard to, have that type of profession when you're not earning a lot and when there's no support. So it's slowly dying. And what's rising right now is buying a musical from America, putting it on stage in the Philippines. And I'm like, if I'm going to be staying in the Philippines, I want to be able to support original Filipino plays. and. If I'm going to do musicals, might as well just go to New York. But, you know, I'm still in the genre of straight plays, which I think also why I fell in love in the in, in the first place in the Philippines, you know, straight Filipino plays. Like, I love that. And, yeah, I just wish that there's more support in our country when it comes to theater, when it co- comes to arts funding. And we only have a few venues. And I wish it's like, you know, I wish it's like here in America. So you, you've touched on this a little bit. Uh, but what do you wish uh, the New York scene or American designers would learn from other parts of the world or from from Asian design or a different point of view, let's say? Danger. I want all of the designers here to be risking everything that they put on stage. Sometimes I feel like it's too safe because it's not loud. It's not this, it's not this, 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 and that, but I haven't seen, and I'm talking about all the technicalities, you know, and most of the time I feel like, aren't we tired of living rooms? 
why can't we flip the living room and put it upside down and call it a day, you know? But again, it's all about the the story we're telling. Like, you know, I love it when I it drives me. It's like, oh my God, I'm so excited to be working on a show that I feel like all of the designers are risking everything, you know, like put a ceiling or like the height of the, the height of the ceiling is only eight feet. What are you going to do? Where are you going to hang the lights? Like, I love those designs that I feel like it's challenging physics and math. And at the same time, the stories we're telling. And I wish there's more of that. I don't know how your listeners will feel about this. But I feel like right now, the generation of our design is, especially in America, I feel like where we're headed is to clean you know, straight lines. And I'm just giving examples, you know, like very pretty, very camera friendly, you know, like we're going to, we're the, the end result of this is we're going to have like good photos on our website. And I feel like I'm not that type of designer. <laughs> I'm not after my end product. What I'm after is, am I really helping the story? You know, and sometimes it's hard to step back. Sometimes you would think that, oh my God, I'm the lighting designer. And then you come in the theater and you're like, oh my God, they don't need as much lighting because the text is already so powerful. The actors are amazing. Like, what what, what else do you need to do? Just support it, but don't upstage the actors. You know, it's like, Sometimes there are designs where I feel like you're too much. You're too much. Step back, you know? (laughs) Let's turn around the question. And what would you tell to the lighting designers in the Philippines? Be more curious. and, And I guess, you know, to my fellow lighting designers in the Philippines, it's hard because my... The way I said it here in like the American lighting designers, I feel like to risk their designs, but it's very similar to like what I have to say in like Filipino lighting designers. But my thing is that risk them all, like leave travel Southeast Asia, Europe, America, and just discover what is. I feel like we have this type of thing that, you know, in the Philippines, it's so easy to get stuck with, you know, you you just get stuck there. But I hope that everyone learns outside of the Philippines and go back and then learn again. And that's what I've been wanting to do as well. Go back to the Philippines and teach. I just wish that I have some tools, like where am I going to teach, you know? And that's also... That also goes to all the Filipino lighting designers because American lighting design is so different from Philippine lighting design, whatever those two means. Even the process is so different. The reason why I left the Philippines as well was because I felt like, in a way, it's not as collaborative. It's almost always like we're after the end product like how how it's gonna look on stage will the actor look beautiful and me sitting there you know being a kid I'm like 
But what if the actor doesn't need to be beautiful in that scene? And can can we all just define what does even beautiful mean in this context? And and I miss that kind of discussion where as me here, you know, Cha 2021 in New York, I get to have those types of conversation. And I wish more Filipinos are more curious because it's all about curiosity, I feel. Once you're curious enough to what others are doing and learn from them and by traveling, I feel like you can learn so much already that they don't be really sheltered in the Philippines and get out of there. In my undergrad, I used to have a teacher that she would tell us that artists, in order to be a good artist, needed to have stories to tell, right, from your own experience. So she's like, go out there and leave. Try everything. Then you'll decide whether you like it or not, but try everything. Exactly. It's like, I want to see everything for me to know what I don't like. Like, if I... If I don't like the movie, I should watch it so then I know what I don't like. And I couldn't, you know, just I I I can't get over your last question because it's so powerful in a way, you know, like at the end of the day, I just wish that there's more funding to our arts industry in the Philippines and you know that there's just more more options. It's it's so limited. We only have like three networks, you know, for TV. And everything is from the West. All of our media, magazines, it's all from, the, you know, even like beauty products are all from the West, even though we don't have the same skin color. You know, it's like we're the tropical island and then it's all this brightening. It's like a big, it's like your question is like, can go really whoa <laughs> do you feel this i know it's like a a contrast you experience on your day to day and how you approach life do you feel you 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 find a lot of people that can understand this contrast that you have to go on a daily basis and kind of putting together these two realities that you've lived in it's so crazy that I'm saying that it's few people, but these few people that I've become friends with are also my tribe. You know, it's like they're my tribe because they have this like certain mentality. Like one of my friends is from Mexico City and, you know, he's like, it's so hard sometimes, even your question also applies to like language you know my 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 language is tagalog and then i have to speak in english and you know having two languages in my brain sometimes i'm like wait what is happening like you know there's that translation and then also in terms of like coming from a developing country like the philippines and then all of a sudden, you know, seeing all of these things in America. I'm not even talking about arts or like lighting design. I'm just th- talking about like the daily lives. Like consumerism here is crazy. 
I've never seen a Costco in my life. You know what I mean? Like, it's like crazy. Like, how many options can you have? Like, you know, and it's like, I was telling my partner the other day, I was like, oh my God. Because we were in the interstate, like Highway 80 from Pennsylvania going here. And I was like, oh my God, your roads are so big. It's like, you know, in the Philippines, it's just like a, our main road is like four lanes, two lanes going north, two lanes going south. Here it's like, oh my God, it's crazy. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh my God, when when is actually Philippines going to actually develop? And so I can say all of these things with my friends who are also international, you know, who's also come here for the American dream of theater and we can relate to one another and I wish that there's more of them but you know it's like I got a few and I'm fine I'm content I'm very happy and blessed and honored to be friends with all of my friends now yeah we can talk about food we can talk about like our daily grind you know one one friend of mine is Japanese one is uh Mexican and we're very close. One is Iranian. And it's like, we just understand, even though we speak different languages, we just understand when some when I say, oh my God, this is so hard or challenging. They know it, you know? Speaking about your um, international friends living in the United States, tell us about the Sea Light Foundation. Oh, that's what's up. Sea Lighting Foundation. So. Sea Lighting Foundation was basically created by me, a friend of mine, Kimi Anishikawa. Literally, that's a good segue because I, I was just thinking about them. Kimi Anishikawa, uh, Japanese, also from uh, Scenic Designer, also from Asia. Rodrigo Munoz, Mexico City, Costume Designer. So how Sea Lighting Foundation started, I was going crazy basically during the pandemic. It was like, I think May of 2020. It's like, oh my God, I'm so broke. I'm going crazy. Who else feels this way? And they were like, me, me. And I'm like, I was just in the couch. And I was like, we got to do something. We got to do something. You know, in March, April, you know, the shutdown was March, April, May. We're three months in, two and a half months in of our quarantine. So this was like the height of everything. Like from me receiving emails that said that say your shows are postponed, canceled, or whatever. And so I was like, I'm just gonna do this. So I created a GoFundMe. I don't know how to how to call it. I don't know how to so it became at first it was like help immigrant theater artists. And then I was just in my couch. I was talking to my South African friend in Tokozo. And then I was like, probably it's you know, if if Kimi and Rodrigo in Tokozo, they're all having a hard time with this unemployment thing. And then it's a public charge for our O one visa. I bet there's going to be, there's also a lot of people who are experiencing this, not just me. And so I did it by myself doing a GoFundMe. 
So with this GoFundMe, there's a tab that says Add Organizers. I didn't know that they're going to be shown on the page of GoFundMe. So I added 20 of my friends there. <laughs> and then Kimi and Rodrigo were like, what the hell is happening? What is this? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I thought we you, you could just be organizer to help me spread the word. But I didn't know you're going to be the organizer that is shown on GoFundMe. And I'm like, oh, my God, I failed. But then after seven days, we reach, I think, $40,000. Because I, I just literally said we need help. And, you know... A lot of our shows got postponed, and I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! How are we gonna do this with taxes? Like, how are we gonna do things? I don't know. I'm I'm a lighting designer. I don't know how to deal with like fundraising, and that's the time that Rodrigo stepped in, and he was like, "Mommy, I'm just gonna be the social media person," and then Kimmy is like, "Well, I'm just gonna." do the organizing for our meetings and like the spreadsheet so it was really hard i thought i was just gonna like yeah you know um let's do fundraising but then i didn't know that you need to have like for you to be able to be a not-for-profit like the 501c3 like you know suddenly i'm talking to powerful people and i'm like i'm not well, I think I got to do this, you know. So that's when it started. And then eventually we needed to have a website. And then we have our Instagram, Sea Lighting Foundation. Right now, we have reached 160,000. Starting from um, June of last year, up, it's been a year. It's it's This is such timing because July is actually the one year anniversary of sea lighting foundation we didn't count we didn't count may and june because that was me doing gofundme if that makes sense so sea lighting foundation was really established july and yeah that's the evolution of sea lighting foundation can you give a little context uh as an international designer in the united states you're under an o visa and then when the pandemic hit, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because I'm on a different kind of visa. When the pandemic hit, not only the industry shuts down, but all the international people under artistic visas couldn't really work on anything else, apply for unemployment, or receive any kind of aid. And not only that, you cannot leave the country because the borders are closed. Right. It's all correct. At that time... The Sea Lighting Foundation, what we do is help international theater artists from scenic design, costume, lighting, props, dramaturg, playwright, directors, some international actors. So all of us, and by us, I mean 88 of us, are all under O-1 visa. O-1 visa means Extraordinary Ability Visa or Artist Visa. Once you have this artist visa, that means it's not the tr strongest visa. It's not like a green card. It's a work visa. You're allowed to work here. But the downside of that is that, you know, there's no, there's this 
thing called public charge. And under the public charge, we're not allowed to apply for food stamps. We're not allowed to uh, apply for house housing lotteries. We're not allowed to. At first, I think, I'm not sure if it's Medicaid or Medicare that we're not allowed to. But I think two months ago, they changed it. And then in the beginning of the pandemic, we're not allowed to apply for unemployment. So it just, I think it just started like, I'm not sure, but February. So and at least my lawyer and some other lawyers say, yeah, sure, apply for unemployment, but you're risking it. And by risking it, we mean they can flag your name. So yeah, sure, we can all leave the country, right? Me going back to the Philippines, I can do that. But the problem is I won't be able to come back because of the shutdown and because the borders are closed. Like, I can leave, but I'm not going to be able to come back. And so those are the challenges that we are facing at that time. And most of us didn't want to risk applying for unemployment because they can flag your name when you're going to renew when you're going to apply for a visa and by applying for a visa there are some some artists in Sea Lighting Foundation who are not under O1 who are under OPT OPT is optional practical training and that's your visa after graduation you have to have one year of just practical training before you can apply for the extraordinary ability visa that's at least our mission our goal in Sea Lighting Foundation is to help these theater artists. At the end of the day, $500 is not a lot, but $500 can, you know, buy your grocery and stuff like that. And that's how we do it. We give $500 to each artist um, every month for six months. And the reason why we've extended this long is because our goal is $180,000. We've only done 160 so we need twenty thousand dollars more and then after that hopefully we're gonna be fully back in theater this fall so once we're back and you reach your goal and we all are back at work and everything is back then are you gonna close it or what's what's the plan for the foundation a lot of people are asking me that question i'm still thinking about it because definitely it wants to be shut down because if we continue this, that means there's a problem. Why are we continuing this? You know, first of all, we shouldn't have done it in the first place. We should receive help from the government, you know? So I'm like, all right, let me, I was telling Kimmy and Rodrigo, you know, that we have to talk about the future plans. And they were like, sure, sure. And I was like, we need to, once we reach this goal, we have to stop. But I'm not sure if we're going to close it or shut it down because the community we've created is here. You know, it's like most of these people are, you know, we have from West Coast, we have from the Midwest. I don't know them. And now I know them. Maybe there's another iteration of Sea Lighting Foundation that is not giving away $500 monthly. Maybe it's time for us to give back to the community.
You know what I mean? Like, I'm still thinking about that. I like your idea of creating community, like the international community within the performing arts here. You know, it's so amazing because we've all met during, which is why I'm like, I'm kind of bitter in a way. It's like, why do you need to let us go through this process alone? Theater people who are like rich people over there. Like, where were you? But then at the same time, I'm like, well, I'm happy too that you've let us do all of these work because now I know so many people. I know 87 more new people, you know? And so I'm I'm really happy about that. And again, it's like you've said, it's, it's about creating community. And now we know each other. You can't undo that. Now the two of us also know each other and you can't undo that. <laughs> I love it. So I think we, you've mentioned this a couple or more times, but um, if you could put it, let's say, in three words, what is the thing you like the most about your job? Collaboration, travel, community. Three words. I like that. You like it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. So if you could change something about how the industry works or what you do or how lighting design works, what would you change? One thing. Oh, there's a lot of things that I want to change. Okay, let's pick three to be fair with the things you like. I want to be able to see more inclusion and more diversity in terms of theater, in terms of like the theater industry. I want to see more of my people, you know, like Black, Indigenous, people of color. I, it, it wants to be 50% of those and 50% white or whatever. Or like 60% is like ideal. 75 is like dream. And number two, pay transparency. If that can happen, I think, you know, where the money's going, how the money is spent, why I'm paid like this, why, why is she or he pay, is paid like the, I'm I'm like not after the other's payment but I'm just saying it's like we should have pay equity and I say this because most of the theater artists but I say pay equity because coming from a fundraiser like Sea Lighting Foundation we didn't have any cushion when the pandemic hit we're almost bankrupt we're on the po- poverty line and I wish that there's more that we we were able to get paid higher. So then when another pandemic hits, knock on wood, we won't be like, oh my God, what's going to happen? You know, because that's what I felt like what happened. And finding that answer on why we're paid so low in theater is really good to know. So then we can fix a problem. Two things. Those are two major things that I wanted to be out there diversity and pay transparency pay equity because i I don't want to do sea lighting foundation again because if i if if we keep on doing this that means someone is not doing their job it's annoying because a lot of people are like oh diversify 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 but at the same time your diverse artists are now very poor and don't have access to such things like 
you know, part of the goal is like, I want to be able to come back to a theater that I feel like is stronger. But if we're all tired because of the pandemic, emotionally, mentally, also mentally, I cannot stress the importance of that. Then what are you expecting from us? <laughs> we can't even think anymore. We're so hungry. Like, I'm so done of my dollar ramen, you know? <laughs> you thought it was over in school, right? Just when you thought. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh chat where can the audience see your work right now it's happening at bam it's called what to send up when it goes down if you have google just type in what to send up when it goes down at bam as in b-a-m it's in the 321 ashland place in brooklyn it's happening right now in closing i think the second week of july um it's directed by whitney white and the playwright is alicia harris so that's running right now and exception to the rule by dave harris directed by miranda Heyman at roundabout theater company and last plug soft by Danye Love, directed by Whitney White in MCC Theater. It's all coming. Those two are coming this fall. And the one that's running right now, it's called What to Send Up When It Goes Down. If you can buy your tickets, go ahead. For those that are not in New York City, where can they see some of your work? I almost had a show in North Carolina in Playmakers Rep. However, there's a huge conflict. If you're going to be in um, this uh, this October in Wisconsin, in Spring Green, Wisconsin, I'm doing Taming of the Shrew, directed by Shanna Cooper. And January in D.C., Arena Stage, the title of the play is Change Agent. Written and directed by Craig Lucas. I hope that there's more. Cool. So plenty of options. I, I hope so. I'm probably gonna mispronounce this, but Salamat. Oh wow! Salamat din. That means you're also welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I take it back. Salamat din means thank you as well. I said you're 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 also welcome. Um, but that means. Thank you as well. Gracias. Um, uh, great. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope to get to see you in person wherever we are in the space and time. I'm sure we will. Thank you very much. It's thank you great. so much. I had fun. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. We would love to hear from you, our listeners, on who you would like us to feature on this podcast or what topics fascinate you. There's a link in our podcast description where you can send us your podcast requests and guest nominations. Theatre Art Life provides regular monthly webinars and podcasts for free. And if you have the means, donations can be made via a link in the podcast description. We would be thankful for any support you can give us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life, the global media site for entertainment, at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. We want to thank David Zare for composing the music for our podcast. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life Podcast. Thanks for listening.